1: On Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1, streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show.
2: You're listening to The Jan Price Show, and today my guest is director Robin Font, and we are talking about his brand new film, The Silencing. Welcome to the show, Robin.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: You're welcome. And you're calling from Belgium. So uh, the time difference there is uh, considerable from we're here in California. Yeah. So I, hope, thank, I appreciate you being uh, staying up and uh, being on the show. This film was really really interesting um, it it's uh, i i loved the way that you filmed it uh the cinematography and the lighting and the colors that you chose the color palette uh, fascinating film um, and it stars nikolai koster waldo from those who are big uh game of fans, they'll recognize his name, and Annabelle Wallace, who is, seems like she's in everything right now. <laughs> she's, every time I turn <laughs> on a, a new movie or, some, or television, um, there she is. So she's, she's really doing quite a bit right now. Tell us a little bit, just so the audience knows, um, what the synopsis of this film is, <sighs> The Silencing.
3: Well, it's a crime thriller about a reformed hunter, played by Nikolai. Who lost his daughter seven years, several years ago, and now uh, is basically drinking himself to death while he's uh, residing in the woods. But then he's tracking a serial killer who might or might not be the kidnapper of his daughter. So that's uh, that's the basic synopsis, and it becomes this cat and mouse game of the hunter becomes the hunted, and all that good stuff.
2: And uh, that makes it really fascinating. And Annabelle Wallace, her her character is.
3: She's a sheriff, uh, Alice Gustafson, and she is, uh, yeah, she's playing a woman in a man's world, which is all, all, always interesting, especially in those kind of small town stories. And she goes out on the look for this killer, but she has to fight her own demons. Uh, being She had a brother, played by hero Fine Stiffen, who she left when she went to college and now she came back to her hometown to make amends. But Everything doesn't go according to plan, of course.
2: No. And what I loved about this film is because it keeps you guessing throughout the entire film. You have no idea. I mean, you, you know, sometimes you don't know who's the good guy and the bad guy, throughout, even the sheriff. At times you're kind of like, well, wait a minute. Uh, and that's what makes it interesting, you know, because she's not a cookie cutter uh, character. Uh, there's multiple levels yeah. uh to her you know multiple you know and that's that makes it sort of fascinating and interesting because you know you think oh she's uh you know the female heroine and she's gonna and she's uh, the sheriff and she's a uh, you know a good guy, but she's got her other parts of her you know there's dark and light to these characters as well as the uh, characters that nikolai Waldell plays too so that makes it fascinating and it does it keeps you you know you think it's going to go one direction and you're headed in that direction, and all of a sudden, you know, you're you, you're twisted around and you're going into a different direction, which is what I always love about movies, when they keep you guessing and it's not the same cookie cutter. So you worked extensively with the writer, M- Micah Ran- Random, is that his name? I think
3: it's Micah, but don't quote me on that, Micah. but I'm pretty Micah. sure. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: all right, I'll go with you what you say. <laughs> Micah <laughs> <laughs> so you worked so you you worked closely with him on this what what attracted you to this script? what was it about it that attracted you and then and yeah. and how did you work with Mika
3: um well a lot of the my, things oh, that you God. mentioned you know <laughs> no a lot of the things that you just mentioned you know it's uh it's, it was a very morally ambiguous you know all the characters they're 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 not good or bad you know they're somewhere in between and that's something I always gravitate to you know it's a real anti hero nikolai's uh, character and that's something i really like and and what is and the thing that you mentioned also about you know it keeps you guessing the script i really had a blast reading it and i could only imagine what it must have been like to you know to actually shoot this you know those are the kind of things that you know i just all these small-town crime thriller stories, you know, I just I just love those kind of films. So it's just an honor to, to be able to make one. Um, so, yeah, and just working with the, with the cast, with the wonderful cast as well, you know, just, just a big challenge for me. I've only done one film in Belgium, and it was just a, a, a cool thing for me to do, to work with these big-name actors, you know. I like to challenge myself. And then from the perspective yeah. of the perspective of working with Micah, he was, yeah, he was just really collaborative. You know, some writers are sometimes rightfully so very protective of their own screenplays, but he was he was still protective, but he was very much open to my feedback. So when we, you know, when I wanted to change something and he was, I don't know, he thought it was a good idea, then he was very much open, you know, to, to maybe write a new scene and stuff like that. So yeah, it was a great collaboration
2: was there a lot of rewriting while you were filming it or was there more or was it pretty much when you started filming the script was completely uh, intact the way you wanted it to be?
3: It's always you know uh, that's that's very different here you know when, when when you work in the US you always have stuff happening on set you know you can't make a scene or you have to change it to a different location or Nikolai has an idea for a scene and then he you know it, it goes a little bit like that you know it's just it's a very collaborative process and as a director, you have to steer clear in the right direction, but, you know, you have to be open and susceptible to to changing things. So it was an ongoing process, which was kind of stressy for me, I'll admit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine. Where did you film this?
3: This movie was shot in Ontario, Canada up north in a wonderful town called Sudbury. It's a pretty bleak place, you know, I'll be honest. You know, it's an old mining town and there's a lot of industry, uh, industry in the city center, but which was perfect for this film, you know. We really introduced the town as a character into the film, you know, but so that was great. Yeah.
2: Yes, yeah. I, I thought it was I thought it was Canada when I was when I was looking at it. I thought, oh, this looks like it could be Canada. There's so many films being filmed in Canada that always have been. So you begin to, you know, uh, when you look at films, as many films as I watch all the time, you begin to sort of recognize, you know, where something might be filmed. So what was? When did you film this, and how long was your shoot on this film?
3: Uh, We shot for approximately, I think, 24, 25 days, you know, with uh, second unit stuff or splinter units, as I have to call it. Uh, And then we did like, uh, I think, six weeks of hard prep and then a couple of weeks of soft prep.
2: And so this was filmed prior to obviously to everything shutting down, production shutting down yeah,
3: yeah, this was just shot a year uh, over a year ago, actually, and we were supposed to have the premiere in uh, south 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 in Texas, but yeah, then Covid happened, and you know, so now the movie's been released in august uh, when all when yeah when the whole world's completely different, you know. So it's a, it's a weird wow. time, but, you know, it's interesting to see a movie. The movie gets a lot of attention because there's not a lot of movies, you know, coming out this this time of year. You know, it's just normally this is blockbuster season with all those big movies coming out. But now you have to go watch my movie. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know, it has that big blockbuster feel, not quite like a, you know, a, a Marvel comic book blockbuster feel, but certainly, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a, it's a major film. And, you know, I think there's been, you know, with all, everything that's going on in the world, um, obviously with COVID, uh, I think there's advantages and, you know, I think there's been advantages for filmmakers. I think that exactly what you're just saying, you know, that lots of films are going directly on, uh, streaming, video on. Which this film is, and um, and on digital, and it's finding audiences because everybody's looking for something new to watch. And it's it's been interesting to watch that unfold over the last five months. Have you found that to be true too in your country? Um,
3: yeah, I mean, for us, I mean, it's I don't know how it's with you guys, but here, like, the whole country is it's completely flatlined. You know, there's the movie theaters didn't open till like a couple of weeks ago, and they're only playing. I think Inception is playing again right now, so it's just uh, it's weird times. But you know, just my movie's uh, um, number one on iTunes in America right now, which is. great you know so i'm just uh i mean i'm happy with it but it's of course i'm i'm a little bit worried for me from a personal perspective that movie theaters will really suffer from this and uh, all my local movie theaters they were already suffering before COVID. so i really hope they could stay open after COVID. when COVID's done you know so that's yeah
2: I hope so too. I I really do because we need the independent film uh, theaters that play these kinds of movies. um, You know because. yeah, we just need them, you know, and I I love it. Well, the show is dedicated to independent films and documentaries, so they need a place to, you know, a home in order to play. And I always have said, uh, said over and over again, everybody who's listened to the show through the years knows that I believe all movies should be seen on the big movie screen um, and have that experience. We don't have any movie theaters open at all. So at least you have really? opening over there. Yeah, no, no, they're not opening. They're even fighting in the, on the East Coast. Uh, there's just nothing open. At least where I am. There's nothing here, and I don't think very much anywhere uh, at all uh, around the country. So, yeah, I know Tenet was supposed to be the big, open, well, yeah. unhinged with um, uh, Russell Crowe, I think, has opened it. Maybe there's some places across the country that are open, but not very many. Uh, so that's one of the movies that was rolling out first, and um, and then also then Tenant afterwards, and that keeps keeps getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. But I think they are, in Europe they have opened more theaters and are playing some of those films, or they're still pushing back the opening day. I, I did read that Tenet was going to open in Europe before it was going to open in the U.S. And they didn't want anybody to give away the secrets of that film. So it's it's an interesting time in in this industry. It really is an interesting time. Um, How did you attract uh, such big names, Nikolai Costa-Waldo and Annabelle Wallace, to this film? Since, you know, this is is your first English-speaking film.
3: Correct. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, so Nikolai was already attached to the project before I was, so it was different. You know, he cast me instead of I, I cast him, so that's uh, that was different. <laughs> and then um, I, I showed him my film, my first uh, uh, first film that I did here in Belgium called The Dance, which he really liked. And then from then on, you know, it was. When we have Nikolai, then we reached out to Annabelle, who really liked the script. I got a little chat with her. And when you got those two big names attached to the film, you know, everything's easier, you know? It's just, yeah. yeah. It's like in a restaurant, you know? When when the, when the restaurant's full with people, you know, people go to the restaurant, you know? So, so, it's basically, <laughs> yeah. so, so it was basically like that, you know? And then, yeah. So we got a great cast, and I have to give credit to my producer.
0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: For Sybil, uh, who, who did everything possible to make it work with the, with the cast. And yeah, so it was just great. You know, I, I think, you know, just a combination of things, the script. My, I think they believed in my talent for my first film. All that stuff. Yeah.
2: Did you go actively seeking this um, to direct this film or was it presented to you? as a project for you to direct?
3: Uh, well, they, well, it's never like, uh, at least I'm not in a situation where they just offer me exclusive, uh, deals or something like that. So, I, <laughs> but I felt like I was the right guy for the job and I tried to convince them, uh, of that. And well, yeah, they went with me. So I still have to, you know, we have to audition a little bit, say, what, how do you see the movie and what you would like to do with it and all this stuff. So, Yeah.
2: I was wondering what the process was like for you know directors who are uh, you know early in their careers. What that is, if it's similar to yeah. what actors and actresses have to go through and do an audition process. Also, you know, China, uh, you, so con-
3: you talk, yeah, you talk to the, the the producers and the people with the money, and you tell them you know how how you see the film, and they they have to be confident in in, in your vision, and then you have to be a little bit lucky. And then you know, that's how it works. But I was used to that from directing commercials, you know, so it's always like that. You just have to be able to sell yourself a little bit.
2: Yes, like anything. <laughs> Ask anything in <laughs> I think if you, if, you, yeah. if you want to pursue it, you have to sell yourself a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about the the color palette that you use in this because it was like it was very interesting. You know the juxtaposition of the colors that you use. So let's talk a little bit about that and why you chose the colors that you did.
3: Yeah, it's it's, um, it's something I did in my previous film as well. You know because I I have a tendency to make very bleak movies that you know, and, you know, just a little bit on the darker side, but I I don't like films that are just gray or, you know, I mean, there are exceptions, of course, but, you know, for the, I always like to work with colors within the darkness, you know, so I feel and the, the the image really comes to life for me. I just, yeah, I just love toying with that. So I chose Manu, Manu Dacos. He's a great cinematographer and I, I saw his previous work, which I thought was amazing And he was the right guy for the job. And we talked a lot about this, you know, just getting a lot of color into the movie. Like, if you see Nikolai, he wears that orange hunting jacket. That's something that I really had to convince Nikolai of wearing, you know, because at first glance, it's really present you know is like he said i look like a snowboarder and i said no no let's, it's gonna work it's gonna work you know in the grading we get a little bit down and all that. so that's uh, yeah it's 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 sometimes it's risky you know because a lot of the times it's just easier you know if you go with a like a sober palette you know but with colors it's always a little bit risky because you might be on set and look through the monitor and you're like oh no that's too much so so it's yeah, but I just love toying with it. It's uh, it's fun, you know. I have to be you have to challenge yourself every day on set.
2: That's what makes it interesting, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So you. And some of this, I mean the cinematography is lovely and wonderful, and, you know but you 're right it 's a lot of dark uh, in this film, uh, but you did some you did shoulder camera in some of the scenes and and then you used a, a static camera so, to compose some of the shots. so talk a little bit about that, why you used different types of cameras on this film, and what you were trying to achieve yeah. with that camera work.
3: yeah, so the initial plan. Was do everything controlled with uh, with everything that doesn't have to do with Nikolai's character? You know, just make it very much yeah just um slow uh, slow shots you know that really creep up on you and then with nikolai i wanted to be a little bit more rough around the edges you know go up close shoulder camera just to have a contrast but then you know and and that's and that's uh, that's how we kind of yeah jived around the film you know just always with that in mind you know that everything with nikolai would be up close except for the wide shots because i also i really wanted to create this you know, seem like a small figure inside the, the, the vastness of the wild. So that was always the idea. So, but yeah, I, I you know, I try to do it co- co- coherently, but it's not always easy because sometimes you're pushing for time and sometimes shoulder camera is a little bit faster. So I try to do it as much as I can, but some, you know, it's not, it didn't work out 100% it worked out 95% but I'm still happy with it.
2: <laughs> well, it certainly gave the film a, a very distinct visual style. Mm. Uh, you know, the way that you did that. I mean, again, it's it's interesting. Again, the colors that you use, the different cameras that you shot it with makes it a really interesting, intriguing film to to watch. You know, this is a story about redemption. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and and why because it seems like this is a very personal story for you.
3: Yeah. It's, I mean, I've, one of the reasons that I gravitated towards the script was you know, there's alcohol abuse, which has been in my family as well, you know, something that that I connected with on a personal level and then I just I I what I, I yeah I have a tendency to, to, to like to go with characters who have a different moral compass than me you know it's always been like that. the things I like things I watch things I read it's always the people who make decisions that I would not necessarily take in life that's something that attracts me and this movie you know all the people take you know decis- I uh, make decisions in their life that you know you could could be called questionable and that's something that I really like but all the characters as you were saying as some kind of uh, they get redeemed and that's something that was important for me as well you know Alice uh, Alice Gustafson, the character played by Annabelle Wallace you know she does some stuff in this movie that sometimes I was like a little bit hesitant about you know because I hope that the audience would still like her you know just you don't have to not necessarily <laughs> like her but you know feel empathy with her you know that was always important and that's what Annabelle did so wonderfully you know she made sure that you know as an audience you still cared for her and what she was going through, so that was very important.
2: Yeah, I don't want to give anything away, but that, you know, yeah, it, 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 that's again that dark and light, you know, none of us are one yeah. one one thing, you know, in our lives. We have multiple layers, um, all of us, and uh, this film certainly uh, shows that for all of the characters actually involved in this. So It is interesting in that respect. What was the most difficult part of shoot? the shoot? Uh,
3: the most difficult parts, I think sometimes... Uh, just being in the woods, you know, and just yeah, it's, it was, the climate was very I had to adapt to the climate, it was like it's like four seasons in a day, you know, I thought it was a song, but it's a real thing in Canada you know, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, it's uh, sometimes, you know, it's just like, oh no, it's gonna snow today, and then suddenly the sun comes out, and all the mosquitoes come, and I have to wear mosquito nets, and I was like, it was like uh, yeah, it's weird, you know, I started looking like the villain in the movie, with my mosquito nets <laughs>
2: <laughs> <What> time <laughs> year did you film this?
3: April, April, April? but it was still okay. freezing. Cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah,
2: you definitely yeah didn't get so, snow in April up in Canada. Yeah,
3: sure. yeah, it was crazy. You know, just the whole, just that element that I kind of I heard about it, but I just I like it's. You don't really experience it until you really experience it, you know. So that, just that, as a global thing, yeah, that was the most <laughs> difficult thing, you know. There wasn't one day that was particularly more difficult than another day. I did say, yeah, the opening scene in the movie, which I'm really happy with, was, you know, that was particularly challenging because, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to do it with CG, so we did it with, yeah you have to see the movie but uh you know it's a real thing that you see in the mo- in the movie and it's not CG but you have to bring it back every after every take and yeah that was you know you lose a lot of time you know because you're, oh right we have to do it 30 minutes till we get that thing up here again and all that stuff so that was you know it's it's always silly when you're on set and you're just waiting thirty just waiting for thirty minutes and not going nothing to happen, then you get really frustrated as a director.
2: Oh yes, I can imagine just sitting there. But you know what I think I'm so yeah. happy that you didn't use C G for that. You know that 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 yeah. you know yeah, I think that makes the film again uh and enriches the film even more so, um uh, we've become so immune to c g you know yeah. all of us uh who watch films and and that's always surprising if you when you go, oh it's always good when you don't know whether it was c g or not, but this is yeah, yeah, good, good that it was not what what made you um decide to become a film director?
3: Huh, because I'm really bad at everything else, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's the most important reason, <laughs> and and just. You know, I just always like to tell stories, and I love movies, and I uh, I just, yeah, it's, it's just something I felt when I was a kid, you know, that I, I wasn't like Spielberg, you know, just running around with a camera when I was a kid, you know, not nothing like that. I just watched, I was more like uh, Tarantino sitting in the video store and watching movies all day, you know, I was, just, I was a very lazy enthusiast, <laughs> but uh, I just, you know, I just love the whole structure of films and be able to create your own stories, and yeah, it's just something I, I love doing. It's the only thing in my life that gives me some kind of peace. Unfortunately,
2: that's well. That's interesting. Right there, right there. It's good <laughs> to have a profession that brings you that for sure. <laughs> what was the first film that inspired
0: you?
3: Uh, yeah, it's it's a question you know I get asked a lot, but it's, I, I have to say, my, my dad was a truck driver for Warner Brothers here in Europe, so we, we we saw a lot of I saw a lot of films as a kid, and they were always I, I didn't know there were I wouldn't say bad movies, but like yeah maybe not uh, two thumbs up by Roger Ebert you know it was like uh, it it was uh, Steven Seagal movies Jean claude and that movies all that stuff and then I saw Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren and I thought wow these movies are awesome but then I saw one movie that completely changed me as a kid because then I really knew the power of cinema and I think that was a casino by uh, Martin Scorsese I just saw that you know when it came out and I just a lot of people will probably won't say it's his best but I think it's one of the best films, if not his best, because it really connects. You know, when Joe Pesci gets, you know, beaten with those baseball bats, you know, it's just one of those scenes that really, you know, it traumatized me as a kid, but in a good way, you know, it traumatized me in a way that I felt like, wow, this really, you know, hit me on an emotional level so hard, that film, that like nothing else in life had done maybe before that. So I think it probably will be Casino.
2: It's, you know, and it is a good, it is one of the classic Scorsese films, you know, so great performances in that film, so Well, Robin, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Everyone go look for the silencing. It's on demand right now. It's streaming on demand. It's on digital. You can see it everywhere. And I highly recommend it. It, it, It's a wonderful, wonderful film. And thank you. I wish you much success with it, Robin. Thank you. Thank you for being on the the show. I appreciate it.
3: All right. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You can listen to The Jam Price Show whenever and wherever on the com and also on the iHeart Podcast Network, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. And go to The Jam Price Show on Facebook and please like it. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Jam Price Show. Thank you for listening
1: on PowerTalk AM 1460 and FM 101.1 streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show.
0: With Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.